Hi there, everyone. This is Brayden and Tally with the voice of my beloved podcast. Uh, welcome to our song of songs study here. Uh, I am just more convinced as things go on in the world that this is exactly what we should be learning about right now. This is what we should be focusing on. It just gets clearer and clearer all the time. This is our goal, that this uh, relationship that we have with God, this bridegroom love um, is is what we need to hold on to. Everything else might crumble, but this is what we're going to hold on to. Uh, today, we're going to be uh, talking about the Song of Songs. We are now talking about the garden. We started talking about it last week a bit. And uh, so last week we had, uh, yeah, we had the, the, the bridegroom really just uh, rejoicing over the, the garden of the bride. And then the bride sends an invitation, come into my garden, and he comes into her garden uh, now, which is just uh, such a beautiful moment. And so, anyways, we're going to play a song for you that is on the Betrothed soundtrack, which you can find on our website if you don't have it. So we're going to play this uh, to get us here in the, just in the mood of, of going into the garden. The whole world couldn't tear me away Cause nothing can sway This love that's stronger than death and life It's yours to give And you have the right to open up the gate And let your beloved come to your garden and open up my heart and let us be intimate in your garden oh God your garden is beautiful to me oh God your garden Oh God, your 
beloved coming to your garden and open up my heart and let us all right there we go this is talking about the garden, such a, a beautiful thing. So we're going to be diving into the study here. I think of the psalm, Tally, that talks about, open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will mm-hmm. go through them. Yeah. And so this gate into God's garden is a gate of righteousness, mm-hmm. a gate of praise, is I will go through them and I will praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so this is the gate that God is welcoming us to go through, this gate of praise, this gate of Really, you know, the psalm also speaks of delighting in God. Mm-hmm. And the, the garden is a place of delight, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think most people can relate to that. I'm going into this beautiful garden, flowers and just, you know, all this fruit and fragrance. Glorious. and absolutely glorious. Yeah. Yes, and I'm, I'm a <laughs> farmer at heart, so I, I love gardens. And so, but there's also, there's tending of the garden, right? When God made man, he, he put him in the garden to tend it. And so there's something, I believe, in all of us, a stewardship, you know, of tending the garden, tending the garden in a physical sense, you know, the things that God has given us to take care of, you know, uh, physically, mm-hmm. but then also tending the spiritual garden of our hearts. Right. Yeshua spoke of the parable about, you know, there's weeds that want to get into our hearts and choke out the fruit. Mm-hmm. And so we're challenged in our generation to pull out those weeds that keep us from having a vibrant relationship with God. Right. And so may God open us to those, those gates. As this song talked about, open open up and and let your beloved come in. Let your beloved people come through those gates. Yeah. Yeah. I've just been, like I said at the beginning, I just have been um, just more and more uh, convinced just looking at the world, just how important it is to not only for ourselves to really keep a hold on this dream, like that this garden place is where we need to, uh, you know, that's what our focus needs to be on is on the garden. Uh, just because, you know, the world around us, it's, it's going to crumble. <laughs> like it, it's going to happen. We don't know what generation it is. Uh, we need to be aware of that. And we need to cast that vision to our children as well. Uh, cause we don't know what, what they're going to, you know, face in the next gen- generation. Uh, but this idea of being in the garden, that that's like, that is the place of, of glory. That's the place of fulfillment that, you know, you can go through hard times. You can go through the whole world crumbling because the garden is something that no one can touch. You know, it's like, uh, being in the garden with God, with our creator, with our bridegroom, no one can touch that. You know, they can beat you. They can take away all of everything from you. You know, the, the world can, can make a wreck of things, but no one can touch that. No one can touch that relationship. And so right. that's what we need to, to really hang on to. Yeah. Yes. So here we are. We're going back into the study here at chapter five. So as I mentioned before, we're at the middle of the song of songs. And so just wrapping up chapter four, the bride closes, he says, let the north wind, let the south wind blow. Mm-hmm. Basically, let the, the circumstances that God has designed to awaken love in my heart, to awaken the spices of worship, let them come. Mm-hmm. Let my beloved come into his garden. Mm-hmm. She refers to herself as belonging to him. And so then we open up with chapter five. He responds to that. He says, I have come to my garden. He, he responds to that invitation. He comes into the garden he says, I've come to my garden, my sister, my bride. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. So here he's speaking of the spices of worship that she's that she had just mentioned. You know, let let him 
Let those winds blow upon my heart. Bring forth these spices. He says, I've come. I've come to you, my sister, my bride. I've gathered this worship. I've gathered this this mm-hmm. these spices, these fragrant spices of worship. And uh, and he, he's come to receive the praise right. from his people. Yeah, it's such, a, it's such a beautiful thing, the whole, uh, just how God calls us to fruitfulness in everything, like how he calls us to fruitfulness. And, and it takes work to bear fruit. Like, And so I love how... Um, how like, it's like he comes in and then he like enjoys all of the labor that went into it. You know, it's like, oh, it took work for her to bear this fruit that I can enjoy now. You know, it's just, it's such a rewarding thing to know, you know, that it's not in vain. All of the ways that you guard, uh, the things that are precious, you know, those, those things that will remain that, um, that one day the bridegroom, you know, it's going to walk into that place and just bask in that, you know, it's, it's a, yeah. I think of the encouragement too in prayer and worship because sometimes we do it not just because we feel the warm fuzzies, right? We right. do it in a in a sense because we are we're called to worship God. It's part of our one of the reasons why we're created is to worship God. Right. And I, but I just see here part of this beauty is that those fragrances when we when we set our hearts to worship God no matter what, even if we're not you know having the warm fuzzies, when we set our hearts to do that, then just seeing this, he comes in and he gathers that spice. It, mm-hmm. There's no praises that are just that are in vain. Mm-hmm. He comes in and he receives that. It makes me think of the song Keith Green sang. It goes, when I hear the praises start, I want to rain upon you blessings that will fill your heart. My child, I see no stain upon you. But just that overflowing heart of God, you know, yeah. that he's, he's responding. There's no praises. There's no prayers that are just kind of hitting the ceiling, mm-hmm. but that he is gathering up those praises and it speaks of it in revelation he's mm-hmm. gathering up the prayers of the saints as incense and he's going to use those to fulfill his purposes in the earth mm-hmm. so he moves and, on go yeah ahead. well i was just going to say we we're it's talking here specifically about the myrrh too which is something that we keep on talking about the myrrh representing the sacrificial uh side right. of the the offering of the you know the, the sacrifice of praise, you right. know, that, that sacrificial love that's offered. And just, I love how it's specified. Like I've gathered my myrrh with my spice. It's like, that's what he looks for. Like, Oh, I'm going to get that. Like that's, right. you know, such, so beautiful to me. So, yeah. Yeah. So he goes on, he says, I've eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. So previously in at the end of chapter four, she said, uh, let him come in and eat the pleasant fruits. So here, we have, you know, the honey being this, this pleasant fruit that she's producing uh, makes me think of, you know, the scriptures being as honeycomb. Like she mm-hmm. stored up this honey in her heart of the scriptures and he's coming in and he's just receiving back what he has given to her. Mm-hmm. And I uh, drunk my wine with my milk. You know, these are celebratory. The, the wine is celebratory. He's coming in to rejoice with his bride. He's coming to uh, to really, you know, be, be um just, you know, have this joyous fellowship together. Yeah. You know, the other thing I think about here is um, we watched this documentary recently called The Biggest Little Farm. And it was about this farm that this couple moved onto and the place was dead. They they went on there. The ground was not fertile. There was no fruit. Everything was dying. The soil was dead. Like it was like you couldn't grow anything there. And they went there and the bees were dead. There were no bees. There were no, nothing around. 
Um, and so this documentary documents the next 10 years of them bringing this land to life. And guess what happens? The bees come and there's right. lots of honey. And so bees, like when you have honey and honeycomb, it means fruitfulness. It's like the, that land, that, that garden has been cultivated. There's a lot of fruit, you know, when you've got bees and honeycomb, it's like, whoa, this garden is, is flourishing. It's a lively, you know, everything's alive here in this garden. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so it goes on, it says, eat, oh friends, drink. Yes, drink deeply, oh beloved ones. So this love of the bride and the bridegroom is something to be deeply partaken of. Mm -hmm. We see in the prophets, in Jeremiah particularly, he talks about the voice of the bride and the bridegroom several times. Uh, he mentions it in a negative way as a punishment. He says, Israel, you're about to be punished. And one of the things that's going to be taken away from you is the voice of the bride and the bridegroom. Mm -hmm. And so he says it, he says it actually three times that mm -hmm. this blessing of the voice of the bride and the bridegroom is going to be taken away if the people of Israel do not repent. And then he prophesies in Jeremiah 33 verse 11, he says, the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voices of those who sing as they bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. He says, for I will restore the fortunes of the land as it first, says the Lord. So this is one of the distinguishing marks of a blessed people, of a fruitful land, is this voice of the bridegroom and voice of the bride. And we can see in our world today, mm -hmm. you know, Tally and I have spent time in European countries. We were in Sweden and there the voice of the bridegroom and the bride is diminishing. There's, yeah. there's people that have never been to a wedding there. We, we, we were over there, we were right. talking to people and this, this joy, this covenantal joy of bride and bridegroom is starting to get eroded in our society. Mm -hmm. And this is actually a judgment from God mm -hmm. as we see here in Jeremiah, but we can be glad that one day that that voice is going to return. And ultimately, I believe the prophet here, not only of, you know, marriage of God's intentions for husband and wife to rejoice in that covenant, but ultimately it's pointing toward the marriage supper of the lamb, mm -hmm. that the voice of the bride, God's people, mm -hmm. that voice is going to be heard with the bridegroom coming for her. And so this is a amazing prophecy uh, of something we can look forward to. That, and, and this will be, it'll be so, so much thanksgiving in it. It says, you know, this is the voice that's going to come up. It's going to be giving thanks to the Lord of hosts for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. And the ultimate, really, I believe the ultimate expression of that love is that picture of the bride and the bridegroom. Mm -hmm. And this is something that's going to happen. Yeah. And I love, you know, there's a lot of uh, debate as far as who, who really is the bride, you know, like what is the difference here in the song with the bride and the friends that are kind of getting to rejoice with the bride, but not a part of the, it's kind of a, an interesting, you know, we're not exactly sure how all of that, you know, what all of the details of all of that is, but I love how, um, I love the, the picture of the friends of the bride. And, and I know that I've been to a lot of weddings, you know, and, it is such, our own wedding was amazing, but it's also an amazing thing to be a part of a wedding and to, to enter into the joy of a bride and a bridegroom. And I love that, the invitation that there is, that it's not exclusive, you know, that, that there seems to be a very wide invitation, like to come, be a part, look, you know, be a part of this. Like it's, and it's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing to be a part of. Yes. As John the Baptist said, he's a friend of the bridegroom. A friend of the bridegroom. Yes. yes. Yeah. May we be as well. Yes. Yeah. 
Verse two, it says, I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. So there seems to be a pretty major transition in scenes here. Because mm-hmm. just previously in the first verse, it's speaking of, you know, the bridegroom has come into the garden. He's enjoying being with the bride. And now all of a sudden, it seems like a total shifting of scenes. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, I'm sleeping. Yeah. So we're changing voices here. The, the bride is now talking. Yeah. I sleep, but my heart is awake is the voice of my beloved, he knocks. And so all of a sudden, there's been this transition where now the bridegroom is, seems to be outside of mm-hmm. the house. And so he's knocking, mm-hmm. uh, seeking to enter. Mm-hmm. So there's different thoughts on this, that she's saying, I'm sleeping. Some see this as being a negative thing, that she's sleeping in spiritual apathy. Others see it as that she's sleeping and she's resting in God. And this is the way I want to go with it, that she's resting in God, it's a positive thing. Because we see, in just in the previous passage, in uh, previous chapter, chapter four, the bridegroom is praising her. Right? He says, there's no spot in you. Uh, he's just praising her attributes. It doesn't seem that at this point that she's dealing with any sort of apathy or spiritual passivity. Mm-hmm. Because just in that last verse, she's saying, you know, whatever needs to happen, north winds, south winds, let them come. I'm open to anything, oh God, but I just want my life to be worshiped to you. Right. So, to say that you know she's sleeping in apathy now seems a little bit not flowing with the whole direction that the the pattern is going here. So mm-hmm. I want to I want to just talk about it from this perspective of she's sleeping in she's resting in the love of God, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so here she says she's sleeping, but her heart is awake, right? So she is depicting her here as resting in God's love, but she's not totally dead. dead. She's not <laughs> dead. She's not spiritually dead. She's her heart is awake. Mm-hmm. So we also see this in Psalm 127. This is a psalm attributed to Solomon as well. You know, same author as Song of Songs. He says, so he gives his beloved sleep. So there's a, there's a righteous sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, every night before my children go to bed, they, you know, a lot of children evidently you know, go through this where they have trouble you know, getting to sleep. They struggle with you know, dreams, whatever. And so we speak this verse every night, I will lie down in peace and my sleep will be sweet. Mm-hmm. So there's a sweetness of sleep that God desires for his people to have. He gives his beloved sleep. Mm-hmm. And so this sleep that the bride is experiencing, I believe is, is in a positive sense that God is allowing her rest to rest in his love. And so I believe it's also important in that, you know, there's a, there's a false version of the, or there's a, there's a negative, there is a negative version. You know, uh, we see in Romans 13, 11, it says, and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, right? There, there is a spiritual apathy that can be, you know, that can be experienced in just, you know, sleeping and just being apathetic. And so it's, it's a properly understanding it, right? There's a place to rest in God's love, right? but there's also a place to say, I'm, I'm arousing myself. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to, you know, press in, mm-hmm. right? But, right. but it's, but I believe it's important to properly understand that balance mm-hmm. and not to, um, not to recognize that there is a place that God desires us to rest in his love. Right. So, uh, so, but the bride here, let's say, let's go with this, that she's sleeping, but her heart is awake. And so she's, she's alert to spiritual things. Mm-hmm. So he's knocking and she hears the voice of her beloved, right? And so he's knocking on the door. She hears this knock on the door and this is the name of the podcast, right? The voice of my beloved, mm-hmm. right? We, we <laughs> want to be alert. We want to be listening to his voice. Mm-hmm. So he knocks, he says, open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. So he, just looking at this a little bit, so her, he says, my sister, speaking of her humanity, he, he sympathizes with her humanity. Mm-hmm. Makes me think of 
Hebrews 4, he says, we have a high priest who sympathizes with us in all of our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So he, he sympathizes. The bridegroom sympathizes with the humanity of his people. He says, my love, my dove. He, he recognizes her single-heartedness. He's, he's saying, oh, you're my dove. And we've gone over this before. This, she has single-eyed vision. She's looking forward. She just has a heart for him. Mm-hmm. My perfect one. She's undefiled, right? He, he's speaking over her just the aff- affirming words, right? He's not rebuking her. Uh-huh. He's just speaking affirmation over her. Mm-hmm. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. So here we see this scene where he's been out all night, right? If, for your head to be covered with dew, you have to have been in the night. Mm-hmm. You have to have been out through the night. And this is really a picture of Gethsemane, that Yeshua is, you know, he was out in the nighttime and the dew came down and covered his head. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, we see this picture of him, you know, knocking and wanting to beckon her to this place of fellow, the fellowship of his sufferings is what the uh, the epistles call it, right? That he's he's welcoming her to this kind of this new phase of, you know, we've enjoyed this fellowship, but now there's this point where yes, you're committed to me, but there's a, there's a cost as well. Mm-hmm. So. We, we, when he says knock, he's thinking of Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And just keeping in mind, Revelation 3 there is speaking to believers, is speaking to the Laodiceans. And here again, this, this bride, she's, she's a believer, right? She, she believes. And so he's, he's knocking on the door of her heart and welcoming her to a new level of, mm-hmm. of intimacy, of fellowship with, with him. Mm-hmm. So we see in Luke twenty two forty four that Yeshua says, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly than his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So here's this describing the bridegroom in the night. His head is covered with dew, locks with the drops of the night. He is, he's in uh, much pain and he's knocking on the door for the bride to, to really stand with him, to, mm-hmm. to be with him in this, in this place. So in verse three, it says, I've taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? And here, if we're going with the idea that, you know, the bride is, is in a good place, mm-hmm. she's not in apathy. So looking at this way, the garments speak of actions, right? We've got, talked about this before. Our garments speak of our life, you know, what, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So she says, I've taken off my robe. Basically, I put off my old self. How can I put it on again? Mm-hmm. How can I take on my old self? And she says, I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? And contact with the world, you know, speaking of our feet, we're walking through this world. Contact with the world can defile our feet. And so she says, I've washed my feet. I have cleansed my feet of this, you know, of this dirtiness of being connected to this world. How can I defile them again? Right. How can I walk in this place of, of mm-hmm. a compromise? So then we see also connecting to the feet, John 13, eight, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Yeshua answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Yeshua said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. So just the connection of washing the feet is very important. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's something where the bride is called to. She says, I've washed my feet. How can I defile them? How can I dirty my feet? in, you know, in, in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely, you know, I think a lot of us, if we were going through this story, we would have been, been okay with the story kind of ending in the garden. Right. 
<laughs> like it kind of seems like it's like, you know, you have this relationship and then you, you reach this point where you're just like basking in the glory of God, like basking in the relationship with Yeshua and you're kind of ready to just disconnect from, you know, from the rest of the world. Um, but yeah, it seems like it's, we're still plugging away. We're going to still keep going, you know, we're that, um, it's not really an option yet. You know, Yeshua's like, I've, I've done it. You know, I, I went through, you know, I had to go through the world, you know, I had to, to walk that road. You can do it too, you know, right. especially with that revelation, with the revelation of the garden. Yeah. Like it's, it's a mess out there, but go on out. That's what I've called you to, you know, go on out. Yeah. So yeah. So this goes on verse four, my beloved put his hand by the latch of the door and my heart yearned for him. That word, their heart is the Hebrew word, may I, which also, which literally means bowels, inward parts. Mm-hmm. And so it's also used in the Psalms in Psalm 40, verse eight. It says, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my inward parts. It's, it's, it's written on my inward parts. Mm-hmm. And it's translated heart in most translations, Psalm 40, verse eight. Because that would be weird to say bowels. Right. <laughs> but here, but it's like those, it's like <laughs> deep, what, yeah. it's deep feelings. You know, this is, this is what's being depicted here is when the beloved, when the bridegroom puts his hand on the latch of the door to come inside. Mm-hmm. Oh, my heart was just yearning for him. My inward being, right? Mm-hmm. I was just like deeply moved this and is the yearn love, for him. It's the love sickness that she was talking about before. Yeah. It's like for some reason, cause I can, I can attest to this. Like it's for me, as I'm reading this, I feel like this is betrothal season. This is what I, this is the feeling I get from this is this kind of like, we are like, we just went through like this marriage ceremony, like this very intimate time as far as, you know, just really basking in each other's love. And now there's this like separation and it's like her inner parts are like, and I can, I can just say that I actually got stomach aches through, through the betrothal period just because of that, that like, uh, just longing Mm. to be with the person I'm married to. And so, yeah, it, it makes sense. Yeah. And I just see here too, he says, my beloved put, put his hand by the latch of the door. So mm-hmm. the hand of Yeshua is just really stirring her. And, and I think mm-hmm. about the nail pierced hand, right? You know, he, mm-hmm. his suffering love, it just awakens something within us that goes, I'll give you everything, right? I'm, I'm yours and I'll, I'll live my life totally for you. So this is the bride here. He, she sees the beloved's hand and her heart, her inward parts are yearning for him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then what, verse five. What happens next? What happens <laughs> yeah. next? I arose to open. So here we see her in contrast to before, right? Because before the bridegroom called her to arise and go with him on the mountains. And she, she said, no, you just go without me. Now, when the bridegroom calls, she says, I arose. She rises immediately this time. Mm-hmm. I arose to open for my beloved and my hands dripped with myrrh. Mm-hmm. And this is, as we've spoken before, this is the sacrificial love. It's dripping off of her. My fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. So she immediately opens and this, you know, desire to follow after the bridegroom of Gethsemane is what this really is really speaking of. Mm-hmm. And so she's entering into this place of, I'm willing to pay the price. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to, as Yeshua said, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. And so she's realizing that the cost, the cost of discipleship, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer spoke of, mm-hmm. she's going after the bridegroom, even in the cost 
of following him. Mm-hmm. And her hands are dripping with this myrrh. It's not just, you know, a slight dusting of myrrh on her hands. It's dripping off. And this is the bride. She will be willing to drip with this myrrh of sacrificial love. And her hands, you know, speaking of the things that she touches in ministry, right? She's, she's touching people. She's touching uh, the things that are on God's heart. And this is the type of impact that she's having. She's touching people with this myrrh of sacrificial love. Mm-hmm. She's willing to follow. I think that's the thing. And Revelation speaks of this, willing to follow the lamb wherever he goes. Yeah. And that's what God's calling to us to now. So no matter what the future holds, may God bless you. And may your fingers also drip with that myrrh yeah. of just loving Loving the world around you. Answering the call. Yeah, answering the call to arise and follow Yeshua wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's quite a cliffhanger, but we'll continue next time. This is Brayden and Tally reminding you to listen to the voice of your beloved bridegroom. He's coming quickly. 